Sophia. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Yes. I've met them. Yeah. Takes us a while to get any traction, I'll give you that one. But let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod. A super soldier, living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend. A man with breathtaking anger management issues. A couple of master assassins. And you, big fella, you've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. When they come, and they will, they'll come for you. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Oh, I thought the Beast had wandered off. You're missing the point. There's no throne. There is no version of this where you come out on top. Maybe your army comes, and maybe it's too much for us, but it's all on you. Because if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 124 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host, Becca, and as always, I am joined by Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Chris and Dave. How are you both doing? Feeling mighty, thanks. Good evening, folks. So you can be, I don't know, which member of Avengers would you like to be if you could choose one? Well, I think I'll be the Hulk, because I'm pretty mindless, but what a body. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty easy to get ripped, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, Dave yeah. is buff, you know. Yeah. Well, I was. <laughs> I'll put some clothes on there. Uh, I'd be Black Widow because um, she looks good. She looks good in black, and she can she can like interrogate people without <laughs> anyone without showing any signs of interrogation whatsoever. She is very cool. But that's the thing in the, in the film, though. She's like it's a constant. Uh, thing of like, oh, I'm excellent at getting information. Well, like, like what what, what information is she getting? It's never really established. It's just always like a superpower. It's just my worry is Chris. Um, that means by age of Ultra, and you and I will be dating. <laughs> <laughs> that that may be the reason, Dave. Fair enough. You heard Robert it here, Dur- Robert you heard Dur- it here first. He's not doing it for you anymore. <laughs> Clearly not. Uh, a relationship that everyone uh, everyone hates. Yeah. <laughs> a relationship like that everyone, everyone thought, movie. what, really? Where'd that come from? Yeah. Best you know, if, if our listeners ever sort of were placing bets on, I bet two of those get together, it wouldn't be me. It'll be you, it'll be you two. Yeah, Chris and Dave. <laughs> Match made in heaven. That, that would be a twist. <laughs> yeah. More of a twerk, really. <laughs> <laughs> Not nipple dusty. Got to experiment. <laughs> On that note, listeners, we have reached peak Joe Expector's talk. Well, I am at the peak right now. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a very high Tell point. us more, Becca. I'm in a very high Yeah, point. Well, we're listening and, and not touching ourselves, we promise. <laughs> no, I'm very excited because tonight we review novels of the Avengers. I'm very hard trying not to call it its UK name, so I shall refrain from saying it, lest I piss off Dave. So, so just to clarify, this is the one with Sean Connery in, yeah? Yes. That's Ray Fiennes, a new Thurman, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. good. 
just want to clear things up because like yeah because that's that's film i've watched i mean i'm not sure how it relates to marvel but apparently (laughs) that's yeah we're i've been prepping weather jokes all day (laughs) (laughs) let's list our favorite clouds Mm, cumulonimbus that's that's the only line i can remember from the film okay so anyway we're reviewing how now brown cows there you are that's the one. Oh dear. There's Sean Connery camping up as there are the camping Do you know, men. I have to admit, before you go any further, I've not seen it. I've not seen 1998. What? I haven't seen it. Yeah, you're, you're not came, missing out. It, it came out to such uh, toxic reviews, I never saw it. No, it, not, it yeah. I mean, it is shit, but it does feature Sean Connery killing um, a bunch like a bunch of board members dressed as teddy bears. Yeah, I had yes, a vague memory of Bizarre Teddy Bears, and I thought, yeah, that's that rings a bell. Did Sean Connery do anything fun after that film? I mean, it was right near the end, wasn't it? Because he retired five years afterwards. He did Entrapment. Uh, Entrapment, that was it. That was fun. Uh, the A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was a bit crap. I don't want to say Finding Forrester, but I'm not sure the years. Yeah, that that was out. Um, and I know The Rock was... I, I, this must be after The Rock. The Rock was... Yeah, The Rock was 96? it earlier. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. That was great fun. Okay. Uh, All totally fucking irrelevant, Becca, so tell us about tonight's film. <laughs> As you know, we like to keep on track of the film we are reviewing. Yeah. So yes, tonight we review Marvel's The Avengers, starring everybody. Robert Downey Jr., Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, no, not that one, Jeremy Renner, Chris Hemsworth, John, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Kobe Smulders, and many, many more. And Billy Zane, but- if you can spot him. <laughs> <laughs> Stan Lee, if you can spot him. Um, Harry, Harry Dean Stanton, if you can spot him, he's in it. Yeah, he is. Actually. And we did, and we did, we did um, make it clear that Christopher Lee's in every film as well, so he's in here somewhere. <laughs> I've seen behind the screens selling shawarma. <laughs> but a fun fact about that at the end of the show. I bet it's fun. Can't wait. Yes, shawarma is delicious. Um, Yes, yeah, so written by Joss Whedon and Zach Penn, with a score by Alan Silvestri, and directed by Joss Whedon, and released in 2012, one of the best years in living memory. Really? I think so. Well, certainly in terms of, of being English and being British. I mean, personally for me, 2012 was a bit of a shite year. Um, but in terms of culture, I mean, like we had obviously um, Jubilee, um, Olympics, Avengers, <coughs> um, lots of really good films come out. Of the Dark Knight um, Rises. Dark Knight Rises, Bond as well. Mm. Um, I probably, my top three films of the year are probably Bond, Avengers, 1A and 1B, and then Dark Knight Rises, definitely. But just in terms of everything that was going on in 2012, um, in terms of pop culture, um, music, cinema, film, theatre, it was just a massive, massive year. Um, and for one, for me, it will go down as like one of the best years of all time. I'm sure there's a lot of political turmoil in the background as well. Um, I can't and remember. As negativity as, as there is in it all over the world. I, I don't remember of... this amazing year, but then to be fair, I barely, <laughs> I barely watched any of the Olympics. Can't get that excited about a fucking jubilee. Think Skyfall was okay. Thought The Dark Knight Rises was a massive drop down from the first two Nolan films. But you might be right on tonight's film. Definitely. Well, certainly for me, it's a high point. Um, just remember going seeing it on my, my friend's birthday as well, and that was always a good laugh. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I'm not that I'm like. A, Royalist or anything like that, but it's it's quite you know it's a big thing to be celebrating the jubilee, um, yeah. and it's it's quite important because it's obviously. I just you know, remember a lot I of people just... sort of negate like the importance of the royal family, but I, it's just like, 
we do and, have them. It's our main export. There we are. There wasn't long to run on my marriage back at, back at this point, but um, I remember being with my mother-in-law, as was then, who was quite an old lady, and she used to say some inadvertently funny things because it got to the point where Bond and the Queen jumped out of the pla- the helicopter yeah, plane or whatever it was. Oh, right, and she lands, supposedly, and then the Queen pops up and sort of walks along to where she's sitting. <laughs> um, and my stepmother, my mother-in-law, with a completely straight face said, do you know, I don't think that was her. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother-in-law was right. Oh, I was like, right. how do you do it, Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> Sherlock, sure, so, you've done it again. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks. I, I fell about laughing and she just looked at me like she could not understand what I was laughing at. I thought, well, did you think anyone thought that was an 85-year-old? Really, that actually wasn't the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, it was Daniel Craig. Well, obviously, on a sad note, that stuntman, that stuntman has now passed away, sadly. So... He just ruined the well, whole. So his I just pa- ruined the whole did, did his parachute not open or? No, I, I, he was in some accident many years after. Oh, okay. But Should yeah, on Bruce to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was just yeah. In terms of pop culture for me, um, in terms of the films that came out, I was just like, Twenty Twelve is gonna be massive, and I got swept away by the whole thing. So for me, it will stand out as a very happy year in terms of culture, but. Personally, for me, for rents I won't go into. It was generally shite. But anyway, I really enjoyed this film. Um, and for me, it's a highlight of the year. And I think when we get oh. terms of ranking, it will rank very high, if not the top of the list of the Marvel movies. Spoiler alert from Becca. Know, Spoiler that's alert. Just, that's just ruined the whole thing. I love that she said that a top one would stay top, whatever comes out next. <laughs> and I thought, that, that's really watching Captain Marvel and Avengers 4 with an open mind, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's probably, it's probably going to be like the best film ever. I'll, I'll come out of Captain Marvel and be like, oh! Yeah. But... I mean, look, to be, to be fair, this is pretty spot on in terms of... Um, what it needs to be because I, I, I it, 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 it almost I won't, I won't give it a perfect scoring, but it is pretty much exactly what was required. Um, you know, in, you know, and it definitely, I, I think the whole, um, the Marvel, um, not say, I say fan base, but how the popularity of Marvel just exploded with this film, and. I think you know from here on in Marvel. You know Marvel's just been this unstoppable force. This was where the the um, the whole zeitgeist around superhero films changed entirely. Uh, in two thousand and eight, we had the Dark Knight, and that really, really captured the imagination. It really, and it and it changed what superhero films were for a few years. Um, not necessarily for the better, because uh, you know suddenly you had studio heads saying that they'd be making all of their superhero films as dark as they could possibly manage, you know, and even as late as things like Man of Steel, which I'm I'm kinder to the most, but it's darker than it arguably would have been without that sort of Nolan influence. You had a Spider-Man reboot in 2012 that where everything was at night and a bit dark and gritty and he bled and all that kind of stuff. Um, then of course there's a bat- there's a Batman film scheduled for this year, and frankly, both in pop culture reach and box office, the Avengers absolutely blew it away, and that wasn't necessarily a given before we got here because Phase One had been patchy. I think I think on balance, I look back and say it was good, but the constituent parts were were kind of mediocre. I mean, Iron Man was terrific, the Hulk 
not so much. Iron Man 2 wasn't great. Thor I'd found underwhelming. Enjoyable. I'm, I really don't mean to be unkind to Thor, but it was just a little bit cheap and a little bit perfunctory and, and everything I said in my review. And then Captain America hadn't really warmed to, and I didn't really warm to him in this film that much either. My current feelings on Captain America date from sort of after that and has retroactively improved what came before. This film came out and... I mean, it did a billion and a half at the box office, which I don't think was expected necessarily. I think had it done Dark Knight money, maybe sort of a billion, that might have been a bit more expected. But we didn't know what we were going to get. We didn't know if it was going to work. And it would have been no surprise had it come out, done 800, 900, maybe a billion. And then maybe the Dark Knight Rise had come out and done 1.2, 1.3. I think it was still ne not necessarily the case that this was going to be the preeminent film of that year. And it turned out to be. And what helped with that is some of the other big ticket items that were coming that year got delayed. There was going to be a second Star Trek film. There was going to be uh, Man of Steel was originally supposed to be later in 2012. And so this film ended up sort of grabbing the whole sort of summer real estate to itself, really. And The Dark Knight Rises not only um, only just about did what the previous film did and significantly less in the United States, which is where the sort of opinion formers tend to live. Um, but it, it not only did it do sort of but critically, it was it was thought to be a bit underwhelming. I know the film's got its defenders and I'm, I'm quite willing to respect that. But it's seen as the weakest of the Nolan trilogy. Um, and I would say for a majority, that's probably true. You know, fans tend to argue about the first two. So I don't know that we knew what we were going to get here. And since this, Marvel have stepped up an another notch, both in, the, both in standard, because I think Phase 2 is slightly stronger than Phase 1 on average, um, but also Iron Man 3 followed this and did something like 1.3 billion of itself as well. So this was a game changer. This was a game changer. No, I, no, I, I would definitely agree. Um, I think, number one, this probably put Hiddleston on the map for a lot of people. Um, and certainly in terms of US audiences, um, which is monumental, I must stress. Um, sorry. <laughs> and then obviously we wait a few years later and we'd have Hiddlebum, which is all very exciting. Um, which but I've only ever heard from you. <laughs> what's what's Hiddlebum? I don't know. It so sounds right. really twee as well, doesn't it? It's basically from The Night Manager, where we see his bum. Oh, okay. So, ba so basically it's Tom Hilson's bum. Yeah, oh, okay. which is a very, which is a very fine thing. But anyway, that's enough for me to perv over. Um, but no, I would definitely agree with all Becky, of the above. You disgust us. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I've been hanging out with you for god knows how many years. So yeah, yeah at least we have the good grace to be all about the front bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have much truck with that. So really, <laughs> I'll send you some photos. See if we can change your mind. Oh god. Anyway. No, thank you. All right, fair enough. <laughs> You try and help somebody out and you just get it thrown back in your face. Well, I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> um, in terms, All right, so uh, talking about first thoughts for me, I think I had a really good view in this time, and I think the reason I say that is I've always perceived this to be what it needed to be. Um, now, what I mean by that is I knew when Loki was the villain that it was almost like a first step, that, you know, it was just a, it was almost a proof of concept film 
that you know they would step up the threat in future films they would introduce more people in future films i ended up i thought this film would end up looking a bit quaint actually going backwards you know once we had something like civil war and infinity war though we didn't necessarily at this point know what those films were going to be and the other thing is on first viewing i found the first sort of maybe 40 minutes of the film unbelievably clunky I just thought the whole way they, they tried to get the film going just felt so awkward. The, the way they had to explain Thor's pre, uh, presence, the way they had to sort of try and bring Hawkeye in, and he hadn't been really introduced properly. And at that point, DC should have been watching and going, let's introduce these people first before we throw them right into the mix in a team-up film. Um, and I just I just found it very, very awkward to begin with. Um nothing properly explained and just some excuse to get them all in the same place. I didn't really find that this time at all. When I watched it, I thought the film just flowed so much better. Yeah. I think Loki is kind of a, a convenience as a villain in some respects, but really my only complaints with this film are some of the effects are starting to date now. Um, it's a $220 million budget, which is healthy, but it's not extreme like some of the budgets that have come afterwards. And some of the blue screen work in the New York sequence is now really obvious that they're sat on a stage with, you know, this digital sky put in behind them. It was also the birth of what I and only I seem to call the sort of Marvel vanilla sky. The Whenever you watch a Marvel film now, or, or frequently, and we certainly didn't see it in earlier entries like Hulk or Thor or anything, they seem to digitally replace the sky. with, And the sky seems to have almost this slightly vanilla tinge to it. It's kind of stylized. And I, I felt that sort of debuted here, and we've seen it ever since. So this is the first Marvel film that really, really nails that Marvel tone fully. It is the kind of thunderball of this series in some respects where you go, right, you've got it now. You've totally, totally got it. I had a wonderful time with it. I have to say I, I didn't get bored at any point. There are a couple of sequences that show me and we'll talk about them when we get to them that really show me that Joss Whedon understands comic books to a degree that I probably don't. But I can see he does. And the way he sort of moves between different characters working, there's a shot in this film that takes place about an hour and 51 minutes in where we kinetically move between all of the different Avengers and what they're doing in New York at the same time. And that just works phenomenally well. The humour in it is a step up where really the, they hadn't been notably that funny the first few films. And, and funny enough, the one thing I've got wrong in preconception before we came to this series was I remember thinking of Thor as quite dour. Funnily enough, after I, the first Iron Man, the funniest phase one film is probably Thor. There's quite a lot of sort of humor in that, but this is a step up again. Joss Whedon, um, the hiring of Joss Whedon, where I don't necessarily know a lot of his work, but I know that he's very good at sort of the interplay between people and a lot of humor and good lines. And he really nailed it in this film. I think I also, um, it put to bed a lot, of, having just critiqued an effect, but it's only a minor critique. Um, thank God for Industrial Light and Magic, because Rhythm and Hughes had done the, the Hulk film and the Hulk had looked fucking terrible. And I was a bit worried that when they brought the Hulk in, on top of having to animate Iron Man, all the, the effects around Thor, 
Cap having to sort of move unlike a normal human being, um, alien species, Loki's tricks and all the rest of it. I just thought they're not going to have the money to do this justice. So the fact that they brought in a Hulk that not only looks like I want Hulk to look, but actually looks like the actor who plays him, finally, that looks like Mark Ruffalo as Hulked out. Um, yeah, I had, a, I had the greatest of great times with it. Uh, there, there are there, There's one other film in this series I'm convinced I'll rank ahead of it, but I can't be too sure about anything else. I think this still stands up, and wh- where when I thought it was going to look a bit twee, going forward because oh remember when it was only five of them and we thought that was a big deal actually the team-ups that have come since have all had the slight flaw of like overstuffing that this doesn't have Mm. um and then you've got something like age of ultron which i was ready to be done with whedon and we'll talk about it when we get there and i'll be fairer to whedon than i am now because i think he was put under difficult circumstances but when, I, I was enjoying Age of Ultron, but consciously thinking, I'm glad this is Whedon's last, because by the time it came out, I think it was pretty clear he wasn't going to come back. I was going to say, to be fair, it wasn't, as quantum of solace syndrome, really, it was, it's not um, not really his fault. I've got, just, just on an offside there, obviously due to like Buffy um, and other, other things that he's done, um, I'm a big fan of Joss Whedon. Um, I think around the same sort of time, he did produce um, a really fantastic Shakespeare adaptation, how much do I think it was, Um which I shall edit and find out later on, um, which again had pretty much most of the, this sort of cast in. Um, so it's kind of like a. You was know, that the black and white one? Revolving yeah. door. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, um, I never saw it, but I'm a, I remember it coming out. I think do, they do. do catch I, it. I, I mean, I don't. I don't really want. Yeah, I will. I will do genuinely. Uh, I can lend you the DVD. Ah, what is it? Were you sending us DVDs? Firstly, have a fucking word for yourself. DVD. Um, <laughs> no, I wish it would be right, but I just thought it'd be funny. Yeah, but the point is. Um, I don't want to critique Age of Ultron here, but just as a no, little, we'll do it next time. But just as a little sort of precursor, there are little scenes included there that that don't need to be there, aren't finished, don't re- refer to things that are never brought up again, and seem to be Marvel doing what Marvel did in the bad old days of trying to trail future films. And because Whedon didn't carry on with it, arguably those things weren't weren't sort of picked up and run with. And I just found it a bit tired. There were a few things in Whedon's action as well where I thought, I'm fed up with seeing that beat again. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But what I think I'm saying is that I thought, you know, we got an 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 A-grade film here tonight. And I thought that They'd once they'd nailed it and proved they could do the team ups, that we'd get A plus and A, a double plus kind of films following it. And and to some people, maybe we did, but actually, in some respects, less is more. The team ups are exciting and they service multiple sort of fan threads because people who like Cap get a bit of that, people who like Iron Man get a bit of that, and everyone gets something. Um, but there is something about them limiting it to the four or five or six or whatever it might be that works quite well. And it gives me hope for Avengers four because they've necess- they've necessitated having to do something like that with the fourth one, with the way infinity war um, ended. So apart from a few effects that maybe are reflective of a good budget, but not an astonishing budget, um, this film still stands up as one of the finest things, the Marvel cinematic universe ever created. And I think on top of that, what what really adds to it is the the whole comic book landscape. Yes, it was all set into trained by Iron Man, but it's spun on this film and the relative critical underperformance of The Dark Knight Rises. This film changed the, changed the cinematic world. Uh, not always for the better, you know, 
the dark universe anyone uh the dc extended universe anyone but it totally any other universe since then any other universe (laughs) at that stage to be honest with you but it changed what we thought film what film could be going forward but it also changed changed the cinematic landscape really didn't it not just for superhero movies but just like film in general yeah so so that that's why we're getting the tanner spin-off Yes, and we get the money penny <laughs> spin-off and the jinx oh, yeah. spin-off, and that, that, that's really the sort of my opening thoughts on it. That it, it's very easy to talk about and it's very difficult to land. And whilst nothing nothing is quite perfect in this film, um, the, the the bits they got right overwhelm the the very very minor things they got wrong. So still a very very good piece of work. And this is the film that made the Marvel Cinematic Universe, despite being film number six. Yeah, I I think this film doesn't put a, a foot wrong for the most part um i mean you can have like criticisms of, of like okay we didn't introduce hawkeye properly uh though i actually even at the time i thought it's quite a, a genius way to into have him in the story but not have him as a oh let's give him an origin that's like trying to explain him but have him almost, almost as like as a, a villain who then well, not not as a villain, but basically given like a villain type role. But then they also have a reason for him to be in the team up as well. It's like, no, I want payback. Um, so, I yeah, I I, I there is it's basically a very crowd pleasing film. Uh, I think if I think about other films, this there are other deeper films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe than this. But as a whole, this film just knocks out of the park in terms of entertainment-wise, and it, there's just a, a certain joy to have to actually see these characters interact with one another. Um, I think that's what a lot of the comic book fans had, had from it. It's like, okay, you see uh, Tony and Bruce get on to being all science and stuff, and there's little things like that, and uh, them square, and Tony square off with Fireman. No, that, that makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Tony square off with Captain America. Yeah. And just just little things like that make you go like, oh you know and you know, and Hulk fighting for and things like that just really crowd pleasing moves that that she knew and as Dave said this it was the first film I think generally that just embraced the fact that no this is a comic book uh, and it feels very much like a comic book brought to life and yeah it I I think as as you go through the film there is very little it does wrong uh, it, it knows exactly what it is and it knows exactly what it needs to do. And it knew exactly what it needs to be to, to work and to actually to actually sell this whole universe as a whole. Because I think had this film had come out and it would have been a bit, yeah, it was all right. Would we had the Marvel Universe today? Uh, maybe not. Or it maybe not be as big as it is. So Probably uh, not if you fluff the team up. Yeah. If you yeah, fluff the I team up... I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Well, you can still have the team up. Uh, sorry, you can still have the universe, but what you probably have is much looser connected threads. Probably where DC are going now, that there's no talk of any further Justice League films, but we are still getting Aquaman, probably because it was in transit beforehand, but we'll get these films that are still DC universe, that are still kind of in continuity. They're still working but, it out, aren't they? But they're, you can, they're, they're just buying themselves time till they can think about how you may even get these people together again. And I think that's where Marvel would have been left. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, this had, had this, the the Goldfinger or the Thunderbolt of the uh, of the Marvel world. Yeah, had this been like Iron Man two kind of level, it would have been a bit. Uh, okay, let's see. 
let's see what we could do. Um, and they would have, and, and the trouble is, it would have been a second strike as well because I know some people like Iron Man too, and, and that's absolutely fine. But it, it got it wrong in trying to universe build because then every now and again it would look at the camera, wink, and say the Avengers. And it, and it was kind of if they had done that in the Avengers, well, obviously they wouldn't have winked and said the Avengers. But if they had fundamentally fluffed that sort of team up and world beating, build, beating, building again we would have probably thought, well, that's the second fucking time you've tried to do that, and it's not working, is it? Mm. So they had to nail this, and Joss Whedon was a, a particularly wise choice because somehow, in the nicest possible way, he finds a lightness of tone and just takes all the stress out of it. It, it doesn't suddenly have this pretentious, important feel to it. It's actually much more just let's get these people together and just have them riff. That's the best thing about Whedon. That's why I really enjoy that he, at the, at the time, he was the right man for the job because he's got that comic book background. He was a writer and a comic book fan as well. I was a Marvel fan above all else. Um, and he could, for me, he was the only person who could bring that, as you say, lightness of tone, along with Zach Penn um, to proceedings. Otherwise, it would have, had it been like another like Dark Knight, for example, it would have fallen flat on its backside. I think you need to be different as well. If, if the other team have been all dark and serious, you need to go like a more lighter tone. Exactly, exactly. And you've got all these conflicting personalities as well. Mm. Um, and for, for you know, for what it was sort of coming, some of its parts at the time, it was well, you know, quite quite lighthearted um, and more kind of like okay, so it's DC being all dark and moody, so therefore Marvel we're going to be more more colourful, more bright, um, a little bit of humour, but still you know very action heavy. Yeah, I also think but it's no. like. I also think this um, film's actually structured really well because everything yes. seems to make sense. You start with Fury, who in- introduced the threat, and then you introduce like individual characters. They get together. They don't quite get on. Shit hits the fan. They they kind of sc- scramble some sort of vic- victory, but but everything sort of seems to be sort of go wrong, and then they all get together at the end to to fight the baddie and win the day. It's a, it's it's a pretty simplistic structure, but it's yeah, it's, it's, it works. it's a typical structure, isn't it? But as yeah. I say, it's a, it's a well-trodden path, um, and along various gen- along various genres, um, there there is a version of that across all, all you know all stories that you can tell, um, but in mankind, um, and yeah, I think it's a well-trodden path, but it works. And we've seen I it think work, that, it will that to work. that's the one thing that sort of caps, no pun intended, the level of a team-up film. Because they've always felt more like product to me. Now it's all product. I, I, I'm not. I'm not pretending that um, the Winter Soldier is some little indie film with you know some auteur on it at all. But there is an element of committee about this film, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it does mean that a very, very well done individual film is always going to be. It, it has. A, it has possibly a higher plane of ambition in some respects. It's going to have more weight to it, isn't it? Whereas this is, the, the ambition in all this is purely scale, making mm. this work with all the different tones. I mean, the Thor score and soundtrack, if you like, doesn't sound like the, the Iron Man soundtrack or the Hulk mm. soundtrack and later on the Guardian soundtrack and so on. And even getting that into one cohesive whole that just doesn't look like a mess, it's easy to do in comic book panels, it's not easy to do here. The other thing, of course, is you know, going forward again, something like Civil War, I've heard complaints in the past, which I sort of understand, but that that airport fight looks small scale. 
well, you can't have 200 heroes on the screen and make any kind of cohesive film out of that. Um, so yeah, there's already an immense amount of ambition in what they've done here. Uh, also, um, not to um, the score, I think, as well. Uh, I know, like, mm. it's seen Marvel um, scores aren't really memorable, you know, but I think you know, the Avengers theme is pretty distinct, and I think, you know, it, I think we, when you we first heard it, you think, yeah, that's that's memorable. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I would agree as well. I mean, I kind of... Though, though I did get it confused with the modern Captain America. Where it's there all are just similarities, yeah. they, but it's the same man. Comes from a, yeah, comes from a similar place. Again, I thought, I thought Henry Jackman did the. Um, well, they did, but I, I don't see that it's soldier. a different. It, it's the same thing, Chris. It's just arranged differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't want anything to be to that I say here to be taken as like a major criticism. You know, I'm just saying that the goals you're trying to meet when you make an Avengers film are different than the goals you meet when you're trying to make a Captain America film. Mm. That's all. And, and that's not a bad thing. And, and frankly, without them continually building to these kind of team-ups, you lose a lot of purpose in the whole universe as a whole. So you always need to be building for, to something like this. And if the Avengers hadn't have got it right, it wouldn't have been game over because they'd had four or five successful films, but it would have been game over for the Marvel Universe as it's currently conceived. It would have been different. Mm. And what a difference it does make! I think I think this this film was, was vital to uh, Marvel's success ultimately. Oh, and definitely, think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they all kicked off on head there. Yeah, it all kicked, for sure. Yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, I, 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 I've not had this one. Um, Iron Man started. I don't think we'd have the rest that would follow it. Yeah, Iron Man started the spark, and this was just when it just caught fire. It's kind of literally just like like yeah. the, the flame on any right exploding situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say? There's a, there's a thing I'm trying to grasp at the straws. Yeah. Um, no, I, you'll like the fuse. You've just. Oh, no, explosion situation, that's the one. That's the one. But you've quoted Miranda Frost. I know. I'm all about um, the quantum and all about dying every day. Yeah. Why, what, what quote was that? That's when she's talking to M and she's asking what, really what cheesy... do you know of James Bond and she reads a fucking trailer. Yeah. She's first, ask questions later. Yeah. Death for breakfast. Thanks for dinner. I just think, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, with that, let's discuss this film sequentially. So, the first 40 minutes... That's my phone. I must turn it off. There we are. My, my first thoughts... I was quite worried when this film started because it just didn't... It, it didn't anchor itself in anything. It just... It sort of started... And it took me the longest time on first viewing to work out where this film was even going. And it seemed to take an interminable time to get them all together. That that complaint's gone away now, and I, I almost don't know where it came from. Because it's actually reasonably efficient. You know, we get a little mm. bit explaining where Loki's coming from. We go straight to sort of Nick Fury. We see Maria Hill. Um, we see Eric Selvig working. Um, we see that, that you know this uh, tesseract has started to sort of um, radiate some energy, um, which immediately seems to make them think of Bruce Banner. Um, and then the, th the, the, the basically the thing opens and Loki walks through. Have I gone too far too fast there, or is that? Oh no, I mean that's pretty much the, that's pretty much the first like five minutes. 
Yeah, yeah. We, kind of, we kind of we're introduced like to Charlie, aren't they? In terms of like the aliens, the alien invaders of, of this film. Yeah. Um, and the other, do we see the other pretty much early on? We do. We um, do. As he's kind of basically um, Luffy's partner in crime for for this for this whole shenanigans. Yeah. Um, we we later find out. I mean, we can later infer that what Loki has there, that scepter, he's basically been given an infinity, the one Infinity Stone uh, Thanos has to to basically go and take Earth. Yeah, let, get, to, let's believe that we are kind of been, already. It's to... speculate to accumulate. He's been given an Infinity Stone to go and help him get the other one. So off you go. And subjugate Earth. But no, we ain't gonna stand for this bitch. <laughs> but yes, no, that's the first five minutes of the film. Which is very exciting. Yeah, and then yeah. So, I don't know about you, but is Loki a different character here than he was in four? Explain. He's been given more agency, I will say. He just doesn't seem like here. He's a lot more like malevolent. He's a lot more aggressive. He didn't stand out in Thor on first watch. He does now, but I think that's retroactive. Yeah. That I look back on it and go, yeah, I really like Loki, and I always have. So it's like. Yeah, great, it's Loki. On first viewing, he was just a sort of Weasley little brother. On first, um, I, would say, I would say he's kind of more like because within um, Norse mythology, he's kind of obviously known as like the god of um, you know, like the first film. He's kind of, he is kind of typically more like god of mischief, for example. Um, so you know, like kind of replicating himself and not being a very minor minor threat, um, despite creating the giant fire creature. Um, but here, it's probably more like the god of malevolence. I will say. Because um, there's a scene early on, uh, well, much later on, um, in Germany where he actually rips out somebody's eye, and I think, oh, you know, I remember like every time I watch that, I wince, and well, I just think, really, you know. But yeah, he's, he's definitely he's much more malevolent. I bet he didn't see that coming. But I was waiting for your punning there. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, he, I think in in the first film he it was a lot more. A complicated character who got who a guy who's like very complex and going through a lot of stuff that he wasn't sure of himself. Uh, here he's very much like your archetypical villain. I'm here to take over, over and I'm gonna. But and I, I do wonder whether that was a deliberate choice because there are parts of this film where he does not look well. Like he has this, like a sickly look in his face. I think he that's would, the whole point of even though he why he's like smiling. Time, so I do wonder whether. Whether well, even, even like the first time you see him, literally when he kind of he arrives, literally on kind of like a crouching position, and his his face is kind of like at that kind of angle where like he looks, even though he's kind of like smiling, kind of demented,ly he looks kind of all distorted. I would say, like, this is making a massive leap, but it's similar to kind of like Joker from the the original the original kind of the film um, with um, Jack Nicholson, for example, where his features do kind of like twisted and distorted. Well, well I, 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 smiling. I, I, in 2012, it felt like a convenience because Loki hadn't massively excited me in Thor. Mm. So um, I, when they brought him in as the, the bad guy here, it felt proof of concept. It's like, well, let's just have him as the villain this time and see how we do. I don't necessarily feel that way about it now, but it affected it affected this sort of setup phase of the film because he comes in and with se- within seconds he's enslaved Selvig and, and Clint mm. Barton. And it just all felt a little bit convenient. A little bit too easy. It does it very quickly as well. Within seconds, this thing is overloading the Tesseract. And then suddenly they're in some sort of like vehicle trying to get out of the place before it blows. And I'm just thinking that this film hasn't taken me with it yet. Like I say, I'm not sure that's the way I feel now. I think it's one of the things because it's a, it's 
it's a it's a cog in a giant machine, isn't it? Like it's all set up for the big bad. Yeah. Who who we all know. Spoiler alert. Um, but I think yeah, it's one of those things where now we, we can look back on it and say, okay, it was it was a part in in, in a larger in a larger yeah. as a piece in a larger puzzle. Um, yeah. well, I mean, we can appreciate so- a lot more, but at the time, yeah, just kind of feel like well. Is, is he really suitable enough to be the big bad for the, for this particular episode? Mm. I think also, out, Becca, yeah. the, the, the second part of the first act is much, much better. Because mm, the, 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 this is the first part. I always thought it was about 40 minutes. It's not. It's more like 15. It but the, se- the, the, the second half of the first act, if you like, is getting the, the team together. And S.H.I.E.L.D. just looks so efficient in that. Mm. They, they're, and they're, they don't panic immediately because you've got Fury going to get Cap, which I like. And then you've got like um, Coulson going to get Stark, and you've got Roman them getting old, him getting older Roman off, and he's completely calm despite the situation we can see she's in, and we'll come on to that in a second. Mm. And then she has to go and get Banner, and all of that is terrific, and I like think these people really great. It's it's really really good. Um, yeah, so they they send because uh, basically Roman off is is basically tied to a chair, isn't she? Yeah, she's being interrogated by some Russian dude. But no, I think just because I, you know, make a point about how how calm and, and collected the, the shield appear is just so. It's, I was going to say use a stark contrast there um, to how collapsed they are later on, and certainly for those people out there, if you still watch Agents of Shield, how collapsed everything has become since so far along in the series. I know the two are, are quite removed from each other now, but when the, at this sort of time, and certainly when the series began, they kind of went to run concurrently of another. Um, if that makes sense. Sorry for the bad grammar. Um, but um, obviously now it's kind of gone gone their separate ways almost due to a, a plot device. Um, Your terrible yeah, grammar they, just it, left me thinking, where am that warty melon? Where am that warty melon, you um, Not quite racist, though. Um, but yeah, definitely in terms of, you know, it's, it just uh, sets up, you know, how cool and calm and collected they are and how much of a smooth operation things are. Um, despite, and obviously there's kind of, you, you see the, the council as well. Um, Jenny Agata and Powers Booth. And Powers Booth. Yeah, Powers Booth. That was a always looks part. evil. <laughs> he does. He always looks villainous, whatever he does. Um, yeah. But he's a very legendary actor, so along with other legendary actors in the role. Yeah. I, um, don't know if, I don't know if Jim Robinson was there at this point. I can't <laughs> does he have a heart attack? Well, no, uh-huh. I think uh, uh, Jim Robinson took over Powers Booth in that role. Yes. All right. yes. yes, he did. Definitely. Yes. Jim Robinson, who had a heart attack whilst playing inappropriately with a child. <laughs> Oh dear, um, but no, it's just one of those things where like they are kind of meant to be looking quite as it, you know, as if very much they're in control of the situation. Um, but then obviously, as they slowly start to crumble, as as Wiki kind of gets hold, um, it just serves up, you know, one one against the other really. So they when you know when when they're up, they're really up. But when they're down, they're down. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the individual introductions then. So the first one that I can remember is Romanoff. Hmm. So she's tied to a chair, takes a phone call. And she's yeah, immediately she, she's saying, getting interrogated. Quotation marks when she's doing yeah. the interrogation. And as soon as she takes the phone, it's like I've got them where I want them. Yeah. And that, that was funny. And, and, while she's work, like, and while she's going to get herself out of that, she basically has to get herself out of that immediately, um, which means basically like fighting them whilst tied to a chair, and then sort of throwing herself over to break a, break the chair away and all that. Phil Coulson's on the phone, completely cool. He just sounds like he's um, on hold. Yeah, he's waiting. He's waiting oh, for someone. At his it's, it's great comic timing, isn't it? It's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and I'd not been sure about Phil Coulson to this stage. That scene actually sold me, even though he did so little. Because I just well, thought, so you, that's, yeah, you kind of that's again, you kind of you served up little snippets off him, might you? And you can think, oh, yeah. he's kind of he's obviously running the operation. Um, but he was quite like a the, dull the, the, the number two from, from Fury. Film. But here, 
he wasn't given a lot in the earlier films, so he was a bit dull. He was yeah, just but here he has of, much more to do. He was almost like a civil servanty type. Um, whereas here, when he rang her and he's on the phone, just like waiting politely, I just thought, uh, I'm maybe overselling <laughs> it, but I just thought that's genius. And also, <laughs> when also when he goes to see um, Iron Man as well, obviously there's a backstory between him and, and Pepper as well, which well, you, I want to know more about. Yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, so yeah, the film shows us that. So Romanoff is free. She's got to go to uh, Calcutta to get Banner because mm. she's told to go get the big guy, and she thinks he means Iron Man. He goes, "No, no, I've got him. The other big guy. I've got Stark. Go and get the other big guy." I uh, can never remember which order it happens in. It, no matter it, it's how uh, the you go from um, Romanoff, we... uh, then the default her to Bruce. Right. Okay. So it's Bruce first. Mm. Um, Recast, what do we think? This is uh, Mark Ruffalo. First impressions, folks. I think it's... I, I think it was it works. I think it's... A, well, obviously it works, but I think it's, it's quite smart casting because he's not, should we say, a big name, especially at that time. Not He, he was big enough to, to be cast, but not like, oh, I'm going to outshine anyone, so it's going to look unhinged. So anyone who's coming into this thinking like, Wagon, where's Edward Norton? Who the fuck's this guy? He's a, he's quite a good at sort of dissolving into the character, and he does. Kind of, yeah, he was known for more kind of like character, um, like drama, rom coms, indie films, mm. more character driven pieces, wasn't he? Rather than and big action heroes. Or... And he's always quite a calm performer. Like he's very much like a very uh, nothing big, nothing too grand, just very kind of just smart kind of. Yeah, just sort of very relaxed sort of tone, which kind of is a very good um, polar opposite to what he, what Hulk is, you know. So, so when he's when he's Bruce, he's very sort of calm and monotic and kind of almost like sort of just think, thinking things through all the time until he rages into the Hulk. So it's just quite a good sort of balance between the two. So I can see uh, Mark Ruffalo is quite really good casting for Banner. I get. I guess I knew him best from Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Zodiac. They were the two films that really sort of sprung to mind as as. Um, he was in as uh, Collateral as well. Collateral. Yeah, that's a really good film. He I was, but that. I mean, the, the the names that spring to mind. Those films, I have to think about it. And oh, where was he in that? Oh, yeah. Whereas those two films I I mentioned were like he springs to mind very quickly for for them. I mean, he's he playing quite cerebral characters as well. I was kind of happy with the casting. Um, I, I really was, even in principle, before he turned up. And then as soon as he turned up, and he's got this sort of slightly awkward shuffle about him and a slight sort of shuffling gait to him, um, and he wears very slightly oversized clothes, which is probably a bit of a nod to what he becomes, but only very, very slightly. And he's a quiet, passive character, which has, I know, a theme of the sort of way I review actors and acting, but you know, that he is, he is a, a passive um cinematic presence and i like that he's got a very very soft voice as well mm. uh and i like that i think he's perfect and but he, he always gives a slightly quirky i hate the word quirky because it's it almost comes off as an insult and it comes off as almost describing something you don't quite um understand but you know where he smacks the table and like scares her for a minute that is mark ruffalo mark ruffalo always seems to give a slightly offbeat take on things so I was really, really happy with it. And I love this sequence. I really, really love this sequence. It's dripping with atmosphere and it's very well lit. The the whole mm. sequence in Calcutta and the houses he's going into and where she catches up with him. And she's terrified. And I love that about Scar- Scarlett Johansson. I'm, I'm not convinced... I was never convinced she was an amazing actress. And I think a lot of that is her voice is kind of flat. But 
that with she's always played Black Widow with an element of something going on under the surface, with the exception of Iron Man Two, where she is kind of a bit more of a wet dream in sort of uh, in sort of conception. But ever since, there's always been something going on behind the eyes and something we don't know. So she's playing frightened sometimes, and it actually turns out she's mm. not at all. And then when she's playing completely calm, there's actually really is some fear under the surface, and we see that here. Because yeah. she's she's got a plan. She's got a plan that she has to convince him that is going to work, and she's completely sure of. But at the same time, there's no fucking plan B. If if Banner doesn't do what she wants, she doesn't know what to do next. Hmm. I mean, he, he kind of like tests her as well when he kind of shouts and he just sort of gets the, the reaction of her. Yeah. Of like, like oh. but then he smiles and sort of goes sorry, and he's got such a warm smile to him, and it's just like. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with this, and I think would Norton have worked. Yeah, Norton's a terrific actor. I've seen him in in loads of things I've really enjoyed, and even in films I don't like, like Birdman. He was so good in Birdman after this film. So could it have been Mark Ruff? Uh, could it have been him? Yes, and could it have been terrific with him? Yes, but if you offered me one or the other, I, I would take Ruffalo without question. Yeah, it's always one of those. Sort of, oh, I wonder what it would look like. But yeah, I, I yeah. Well, End day, it, it works the way it is. Yeah, um, and then and then the thing I saw, um, and and then when I saw Stark first, because we go from that, and um, you know, uh, we go from that to Stark, who's basically putting the finishing touches to the the, the sort of Stark building in New York, which is handy because he's in New York. Um, but uh, it's it's a completely clean energy building that's self-sufficient for a year off like an arc reactor. Mm. Uh, but the first thing I thought when I saw him and the music kicked in, like Iron Man's music, was I thought, oh, well, they sorted out his contract negotiations then. <laughs> they did, really easily. <laughs> um, really nice, though. Even even the building they're in, I think there's a lovely chemistry between him and Pepper. Um, and the way they interact with Agent Coulson's really good as well. Yeah, they got really good. Um, again, got really good chemistry with uh, really Gwyneth good Paltrow. rapport there. I love the backstory between them. Um, and and I, I just love the line like, um, "Excuse me, his first name's Agent." I yeah. think that's the best. Like Phil. I, I, I must Phil? say, Phil, first, like, first name is Agent. <laughs> I must say, uh, I, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I, I do like Iron Man, but of all all the characters, he's not my favourite, unfortunately. Um, a little bit lower down the rung, but that, he's still that, cool that, nonetheless. That is, that is unfortunate, Becca. Very sad. I'm very sorry about that. I know there are a lot of fans out there. Um, but he gets the best lines. There'll be riots, Becca. I, I hope riots in the streets. I hope, I hope your There'll conscience be... is clear that it'll be right. <laughs> infamy, infamy. They've all got it, infamy. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, um, he, he has the best lines. He's like the Drax of this film. He has like the. I know it's really random Moonraker reference, but where Drax has all the best lines in Moonraker, Danny Jr. has all the best lines in this film. There are like three really good ones that are absolute howlers. Um, and obviously the Hulk smash scene um, involving Hulk and Loki is just has me well, howling that's, for an end on end. That's largely down to like two things. One, uh, uh, Danny is really good at delivering humorous lines. That's, that's, he is, that, yeah, that's no, he's, he's, he's fabulous. But he's also, very dry as well. But also he's the, he's the, he's the, the biggest draw. He's like exactly. the most popular one, so he, he will yeah, probably he's get like the backbone, like, like, really. So, mm. yeah, no, he, he just, you know, I, I think Whedon has, has done really well and getting Whedon wanted him to be the best lines in the film. So, so, also, uh, yeah. so yeah, that, that's that's all of those. Um, so they're all together now, aren't they? Oh, the other, the only other one is Cap, Cap. Um, which not, is basically. I, I, the... I like this sequence just because, again, it's shot through a slightly sort of sepia tint. Mm. 
So even though he's now got to exist in 2012 and exist with everyone else, when Fury goes to get him, he could be working out in like a 1940s 1940s, gym. yeah. You never know. I like that. And and I'm not... Everything has been retconned now. I watched this film and I'm perfectly happy with Cap, but I wasn't really at the time. And actually, some of the dialogue he's forced to be given in this film, you know, gives him Adrian from the Rocky films, you know, kind of um, syndrome that you've, you've just got in there having to moan and stuff. And we'll get to that a little bit later on, but... Uh, now I look back on it, I like this and I like the dialogue, you know, trying to put mm. me back in the world, trying to save it. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, it's, it might sound a bit old-fashioned, but Cap's an old-fashioned guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's, it, that's what we need is a little bit of old-fashioned. Yeah, well, basically. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just just worked. I mean, I, I like the, the pair plan, you know, the, when it goes into it, it's sort of like, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's not won by, uh, war's won by soldiers, and he just cuts a cap. Uh, that's yeah. a nice transition. Uh, yeah, I and, mean, as I, and as he's working out on the heavy bag, he's thinking about when he sort of dunked yeah. into the water as well. And Agent Carter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. His first name is Agent. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy, man, never mind. Yeah, Agent Peg, Peggy Carter. Peggy's not <laughs> Agent. <laughs> because she's fond of pegging. <laughs> it's, just, it's a nickname. Her name's actually Margaret, man, never mind. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think. Phil? His first name's Agent. Is like one of the best lines in the whole film. So funny. Delivered so well as well. Mm. She can fuck that line up quite easily. So we've got them. We've got them all together, um, and then we sort of cut in on Loki's plot, which uh, he needs to basically. It's to do with what when they power up the Tesseract, they need to contain it. I think. I think yeah. that's what it is. They need to steal. Open open up a portal, um, and they and they, they had a few lackeys who. Uh, you were not from the shield, which is uh, no. which is a n- nice, quick way of just explaining like how how can we get like a load of henchmen of us and uh, yeah, I was like, where did they come from? We haven't seen them before. And I, I think that's just there to sort of say yeah, yeah, they've just not just killed innocent people that he's brainwashed. They just uh, mm. you know they 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 are actual bad guys mm. that have just like sort of flocked flocked to his help. Um, yeah, and they're they're obviously trying to find him, so they 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 have managed to sort of track him mm. to there. So he's there, um, um, and they they take the eye out of the guy to break in to get this stuff, mm. um, and then Cap Cap turns up. Cap, you're up. So Cap turns up to fight him for a bit. Yeah, in Berlin. So he's so Loki's doing this whole like you know, whole kneel and like I'm you know I'm here as your ruler. Isn't this easier? This whole theory of um, of like. You know your natural state is to be led like cattle. You know, it's you know, freedom is a is a big lie kind of thing. Yeah. Um, now we know we can blame Agent Coulson for what's coming because they they they're flying Cap there and Cap, and Agent Coulson says he had some input into the new outfit and I hate mm. this fucking outfit they give <laughs> they give bit, Cap mm, in this film. It's awful. And I thought I genuinely started thinking well it's not the it's not that helmet back. Don't worry. <laughs> I wonder if he writes A on that as well. But um, yeah, he um, the headwear that he wears, you know. I was just a little bit. I was a bit concerned at this point. I just thought, oh god, I don't want more cat films. If they, if he's going to look like that and be this fucking cheesy, I'm going to. Do you change up the outfits every now and then? Obviously, we've got a new Iron Man. Yeah, they change suit. Up every um, Thor, time. Thor looks different. Cat looks different. Hulk's anyone to stay the same? Um, that's it, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, the other two don't really have. Well, well they, they have costumes. They have suits. Well, no, they, 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 they change. Um, they change uh, Black Widow's hair every time. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Um, basically, obviously, it's wigs and and the yeah, the, yeah, Rus- the Russos traditionally have put her in better wigs than Whedon ever did. But mm. um, yeah, so it, we get the first bit of sort of Coulson's man crush on on Cap. Yeah, I think it's really funny. Great. Coulson is just so redeemed by this film. He's just great. He's yeah, so he really comes into his own part. here, I think. I watched you while you were sleeping. But it's the comic oh, timing of Coulson saying it and the, and the actor, Greg Clark, Clark Greg. Clark Greg. Um, um, like, saying with a straight face. Immediately pulling that slight face of, oh, that sounded creepy. <laughs> I, I, I like that. It's really, really Chris good. Evans' reaction is priceless. Yeah, it's just I don't know what to say to that. He's like, I just, thank you. Like that, he says about the outfit, and he says, "Isn't that a bold, old fashioned?" With everything that's going on, we need a bit of that. Uh, so they fly him in to basically take on Loki immediately. So we get a bit of action there, and finally, we can actually see a little bit of what the Super Soldier Serum can do, which his own film didn't really show. Wait, which was I, that? Like, what? What did the, the, his own film didn't show? It, just the way, just the way the super soldier serum can allow a human being to move. Oh, I see, like sort of uh, flip around and things like that. Yeah, Alar Blomsky, basically. Um, I mm. think this film shows all that much, much better. Um, it's a good sequence, and of course, I think just thim- just thematically, the first person you put up against Loki is is going to be like the purest white hat of your team. Mm. Before you have to get into anything like shades of grey and nuclear bombs and all that shit. You know, immediately you send in your nicest man. I, I kind of like that. That sound that feels it, right. It's also fitting the fact that it's in Berlin as well. So he goes like, "Last time I was in Berlin." <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, so yeah, you send in a guy who the last time he was awake was fighting. You know, that country effectively. Um, uh, but he's not quite enough. Loki's almost got the better of him, and then suddenly shoot to thrill kicks in. <laughs> Is a bit shoot to thrill. Which I yeah. love. What an entrance that was. We have seen uh, Iron Man in this film, but uh, yeah, it was just what an entrance. He suddenly hacks into like uh, Black Widow's system, and he's suddenly like, "Hi," you know. I, I like how like uh, Scarlett Johansson almost has like a smile comes on her face, but almost like a little eye roll at the same time. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like what an entrance. Yeah, it, it's you again. Like, it's great, and he lands and immediately he's armed to fuck. Uh, yeah, so basically, he's so cool. Basically, they spoil this at the same time. Uh, so then, what do we have? Oh, they're, they're basically Aquaman, Loki, and they're like flying back. And, uh, four. and yeah. yeah, they basically have four entrance. So they have have, have thunder. And scared it's like... of scared of thunder? I'm not overly fond overly of what fond comes of with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a bit kind of mm, a bit weird. But yeah, I think that's that's a really cool introduction as well. Yeah. So, so four, four comes down, there. which we. Don't know why, seen as yeah, because there's no Bifrost anymore. <laughs> no, that's a bit weird. Obviously, he can't, you know, but obviously he's, he's chasing so off we'll the. So we'll back on the that. <laughs> yeah, he kind of. Yeah, I would say that's probably one of the few weak points of the film. Very few, like you can count them on one hand. But you just kind of you gloss over it and think, you well, he's got to come in somewhere, so it better be here. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, the way they have to explain, like Jane not being in it. Oh, we've got her somewhere safe. We've got her like, swatched away safely. Uh, she's she's not signing up for this. She's off doing like fucking. Apparently, she no. was pregnant at the time. That's why she was going to have. A well, cameo. yeah, that's why she was having a baby. But it's like hey, it's maybe she, on she, she came back for the dark world. But we know she's not fond of these films. Mm. No. She she prefers to be pretentious with Aronofsky. <laughs> they can be pretentious together. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, yeah. So this actually leads to like a three-way confrontation between the three of them. Basically, you have 
uh, Cap and Thor, and and basically, oh well, sorry, uh, Thor and Iron Man first, and then Cap mm. jumps out of the plane after them, which is cool. Yeah, I have a plan. Attack. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just... also Thor's eyebrows look better in this film. Yeah, they haven't dyed his eyebrows. This I paid extensive attention to his eyebrows. His hair's a bit longer as well, and it suits not necessarily Chris Hemsworth, but the Thor character. It suits the character, which is why it's a major shock when he chops it all off. Yeah, well, that, that, that's actors coming to the end of their contract where they're like, oh, well, I mm. don't do that anymore. It's a bit no. like Jennifer Lawrence with the blue paint, don't want to do it anymore. Yes, yeah, it just changes it. Um, or at least I perceive it is anyway. I mean, I know it kind of got away, uh, explained away in plot, but I think Hemsworth pretty said pretty much said he didn't want to wear the wig anymore. But um, yeah, this is a good battle with some good lines as well. Doth mother know? <laughs> you were wearing yeah. Third best line in the whole film. <laughs> She's ranked the lines, folks. We'll get oh, to that later. Um, <laughs> this is all really good, and it actually tells you that in a fight, they all pretty much stalemate each other. Yeah, they're yeah. all going to be each other's equal, aren't they? Like, for example, there's a um, there's a scene where, um, well, yeah, basically, Thor's hammer hits um, Steve, Steve Cap's shield, and they just reverberations abound. Um, and it's like, okay, the, these are even though they are. Mighty in, in their various respects, they are all equals in terms of, of, their, of their superpowers, as it were. Um, and when they finish this, it's all like, are we done here? Yeah, <laughs> they're, we're they're, done they're all knackered. They've all fought themselves to a certain standstill. Yeah. They've all realised it's a bit pointless, and it's like, no, right, this is a level playing field. Are, are we done here? Yeah, <laughs> are, are we done now? This is it. But um, so yeah, they, they, no, no half feelings so, got a mean, mean swing point break. Yeah, yeah. So they, they take him back to. <laughs> break, um, yeah, I love all the little references as well that he makes. It's very clever. We take they they take him back to what looks like basically an aircraft character a carrier, albeit mm. a very large one. Um, and there is a little bit of nerves around Banner, isn't there? You immediately because he says, you know, you want me on here, you know, and it's like yeah, in a kind uh, of a, you know a confined space. We don't know yet what level of control he's got, if any. You've got Loki there, who we know can get up to all sorts. You've got Thor with his power, but I have to admit, when this helicarrier turned off, turned uh, sorry, took off. That was pretty impressive at the time yeah. that you suddenly realised the scale of this this operation, this organisation. Particularly later, as you find it isn't the only one in later films. No, but um, this is this is kind of impressive. So they're on this helicarrier that can kind of shield itself, no pun intended, up in the sky. Yeah, and I wonder who's funding that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I wondered the same. <laughs> but yeah, um... yeah, it's a comic movie. Who cares? Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, so you have your, all your main players. You've got Cap, who is like I, I like the, also like the gag that that goes away gives uh, Fury like the, the tenor. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, they're basically sort of like in in a meeting and not quite clicking. Uh, <laughs> Tony's walks in as if like he owns the place essentially. Yeah, which he may well do. We, we you talk about funding, there may well be. Some yeah, true. He might have given the most amount of dollars. That, that, that's probably a good, yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, he borders. He borders on Iron Man two territory, but he stays the right side of the line. He mm. does. He does. He stays the right side of the line. He's there with the best possible heart and for the best possible reasons. The problem is he, because he's playing he, it cynical, isn't he? Which but, isn't but completely unfounded because he's such a sort of um, contrary character in his way. Mm. That leads Steve to have to be the sort of straight-laced one, and it doesn't help the character when we're still fairly new to him. We're still fairly new to Steve Rogers at this point, <clears throat> so when he's playing, you know, you you don't take anything seriously, sort of attitude, 
it, it is, like I say, a bit like Adrian in Rocky, that she's saying everything you'd expect the character to say, but we as the audience don't necessarily want to be hearing that. She's yeah. Like the kind of the, she or almost... he's like the, the more compass almost, isn't he? He's kind of like, he's like the, the, the straight arrow. Not, not that the others aren't particularly going off all, all directions, but he's like the kind of the one constant, as it were. Mm. Um, but he does come out of his shell a little bit in preparation for The Winter Soldier. It's almost as if we could have done with like another film before this to sell that. Uh, hmm. Sorry, That's just... Chris reminding you of last week when he was right. <laughs> Chris is always right. Yeah, and well, so is Dave, so there we are. Thank you. Even when we disagree, we're both right. Yes. Even when you are wrong, you are right. Yeah. So, um, where do we go from there? The, the, yeah, the group aren't kind of clicking. I also like the, uh, the... There were some complaints at the time, but I still like the line where he says, you know, he's still my brother. He killed so many people. He, he's adopted. <laughs> <laughs> he's adopted? Yeah, that got complaints at the time. Why? The, well, it was just saying uh, from, like, adopted people that... It, oh, yeah, it was a bit... It cut seriously? Off, but no, they have been adopted, but... Oh, they well, fuck think, off. Not adopted people, take, I mean, like, take, people... Take it for what it is, a funny... It's, it's saying, well, adopted people are lesser, are they? That, yeah, but that thing, so you think about the joke, that's not what it was. It was, like, him just, like... Finding like uh, the first thing you can think of to separate himself quite from that, you know what yeah. I mean? That, that's all that was. And it's not separated at all. You see it in future films, and he very much sees Loki as his brother, and he's yeah. very hurt by what Loki is. Exactly. So I take I take it in context as what it is. At the time where you don't have the time to sort of engage your moral compass and think about these things, just as a line, it was funny, yeah. and it was well delivered. And Hemsworth if... should be James Bond, and if not, James <laughs> Bond. Bloody hell! Yeah, just Bond for sure. And if not, Mike. Like... In terms of um, like the differences between them, for example, as well, like the first film, you know, you know, calls him brother many times, but it's like Loki is the one who calls out those differences. You know, it's literally like he's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not, not the same they've as you. They've treated him as family. It's Loki who continually points out he's exactly, other. exactly. He always points out that he, he's the other in this in this play. So yeah, so yeah, I, you know. I try to be respectful of complaints, and I, I can imagine that if you are adopted, you, you might look at that in a certain way. I can't look at it in that way because I'm not, so I just looked at it as a funny line, and I thought it was very funny. And well delivered. Chris Hemsworth is, is brilliant in this. Mm, great comic timing. Yeah. They, they clearly are quite pissy with each other, and it's something coming from that staff, isn't it? It's something coming from the gem in the staff. Um because Steve and, and Tony are really aggressive with each other. Bruce is starting to get a bit funny to the point that he actually picks up the staff at one point. I think it's um, the, the, the um, effects of the Tesseract kind of impeding upon them. It's that's not what, the Tesseract, that's kind of, it's the gem. No, not, not, not the Tesseract, the, the gem, sorry, even. Well, you have Tony putting like the, the bug that hacks into like the system because he doesn't trust um, uh, Fury that well. I think he's, he's, he's hiding something. And, and, they, and they have a... Um, him and uh, Stark and Rogers have a have a bit of a hash, hash out. Basically, that's sort the of... point. Stark is yeah. uh, Stark is 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 hacking in because something's being hidden, mm. and Steve is very much you can't do that. And as an audience, it's like no, we want to know what's being hidden. Mm. So it it plays against Steve's bond with the audience. That's all I'm saying. As we go forward, and Stark is proven correct, and Steve is rightly angry with Shield who've pulled him out of deep sleep to work for them, and it's like, is this the sort of organisation you are? Then it starts bringing Steve back on side. Mm. But he's still a relatively new character to us, is all I'm saying. Mm. Uh, but of course, we do eventually get an explosion, don't we? 
Yeah, or is, um, the, or is or have we got the whole Loki and Coulson stuff? First? Well, we have um, you know uh, Black Widow with Loki interrogation bit and we, playing we, really hurt. Yeah, again, playing really damaged and pained. Mm. Um, and we, we all assumed that like there was, there was a romance with uh, Romanoff and Hawkeye. Um, I never not. That because Haw- no, because Hawkeye's been married for years. Yeah. Well, well yeah, we, did, we didn't know that in the film. Though. We didn't know that at this stage, no. No, no they're, they're kind of like the two un- unknowns almost, aren't they? Well, not unknowns, but kind of... In, we, in we this, they're know, not... We didn't, know, we didn't know at this stage he was doing Velma from from, uh, <laughs> from the mystery gang. Oh, Scar Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah when, she, when she says, like, oh, love is for children, you think, yeah, just saying that, aren't you? You know, yeah. uh, but obviously she, she must mean it at the time. And yeah, so she does that. Oh, you well, she figures out that you no, know, his play is Hulk, which doesn't help because it's too late by that time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Coulson is yeah, Coulson is after the attack. Sorry. So the, there's an explosion, and Banner hogs out. Now this is this is really efficient storytelling because we find out later that basically if he controls the Hulk out, he controls the Hulk. Hmm. And at this point, he doesn't control the Hulk out, so he's absolutely mindless violence at this stage. And we're left in no doubt he would have killed or badly hurt Black Widow if had he got to her. Yeah. Yeah, literally, had yeah, had she not managed to get away in time, that would have That's been the end That's brave. Bear in mind, this is a new Hulk. It's the same Hulk, but it's a mm. new design and a new banner. Same it's, Hulk, it's, but different. It's, it's, it's like being introduced to a new character, almost. And the first mm. we see of him... We've always believed, right the way back to the like Lou Ferrino Hulk and the comic books and all the rest of it, that Hulk, deep down, won't hurt anyone. He's mindless and he's violent, but he wouldn't hurt anyone. This Hulk would have killed her, I believe. The film is telling us he would have, and it takes Thor's interjection to stop it. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it just it, it, it makes sense for that character as well. I mean, there, there was talk in the, um, before that with Banner and Stark about what the Hulk actually is and you know he just treats it like a curse it's like no you need to look at it differently treat it as a gift uh, it's, all, your... it, it's storytelling for the Avengers because yeah. later on when Tony's saying tell him to suit up that is a sign of trust mm. between a team that is no I can see this man I've, I, I've bonded with this man I can see this man's mind he can control this thing I'm yeah. convinced he can control it and aim it as a weapon and actually that's trust that the audience buys into when all we've actually seen is a mindless killer Hulk. That, that's, that's, that's well, that Tony. and the promotion as well. That's Tony seeing Bruce. That's Tony seeing Bruce and what's within the Hulk, mm. if you like, or what he's got within him, whichever way you want to look at it. As an audience, all we've seen of the Hulk at this stage is, is mindless and actually deeply mm. dangerous. <clears throat> the fight with Thor is really cool. Oh, definitely. I mean, the stuff with the hammer. We, saw, I thought that's that's kind of cool. Well, the very first shot is he just swings his hammer at him, and then it yeah. goes slow motion, which I don't normally like, but it works here. Yeah, because it because it, it's not often you you see someone just like knock the Hulk completely off his feet. So it's like a whoa. Yeah, and then Hulk's like gets the hammer thrown at him, and then he's kind of dragged along the floor yeah. by it, and he tries to pick it up and can't. It's really great. This is good stuff, and it and it really hits home how strong Thor is. Mm. Because what we've seen him fight in the first film, we did, we had no frame of reference for the power of that thing. We know how strong the Hulk is. You know, Thor is in kind of a vaguely human body, and um, mm. for him to be able to go one on one with the Hulk is very impressive. And it's a good sequence. It, it it's kind of got a sort of wit to the action. 
it's good. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's damaged one of the engines, so you've got Cap and uh, Iron Man out trying to fix that. Yeah. Um, that all feels a bit like busy work, but it needs to be done. Uh, they have to draw the Hulk away from, from it, so basically the, he jumps out onto a plane, doesn't he, mm. that's there to attack him. It kind of also it brings um, the character of Cap to kind of bring him up to modern technology as well, because like, he sort of looks at the parts and he's kind of like, this well, looks like it works on, yeah. And he's like, you're not wrong. So again, that kind of, because another thing through obviously Cap's storyline um, is kind of like basically a list of things in, 20, in the 20th century onwards, in the 21st century that he has to sort of come to terms with and, and learn about really. So, but yeah, I think that's quite interesting. You kind of, you say the seeds of that there, which is quite good. They don't show you speed. the first time he finds Pornhub, do they? <laughs> first time like, he discovers... Fucking hell! Language. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's one of the things I did wonder. Like, what is actually is Tony's beef with um, Cap? Cause he just seems to take against him, like for no, for not, for reasons like that's not entirely established. It's not really established. I think I've yeah. always, I've always read it is he sees he doesn't trust Shield when every when the download's complete and it finds out they're using all this technology to create weapon. Um, he doesn't yeah, trust Shield, and she, and he sees Cap as a um, mascot of Shield. Yeah. yeah, he's a major proponent, really. I, isn't it, he? So that's where the distrust comes it, from. It was bef- before that, though, a little bit. You know, oh, actually, no, maybe not, because he was like, you know, I'm thinking of the conversation with, with Banner saying, like, really, is that is that is that the guy my dad banged on about? I don't think it's I don't think it's always that way round. I think it's more the fact Just that, that Cap opposites. is not Cap, Cap is not impressed by him. Hmm. He finds him flippant. You know, don't forget, he's just been working with, like, soldiers and, fi- mm. you know, the, the quote-unquote finest generation. And to work with somebody who's got a big he, he ego in, as well. He comes in with this guy, and it's all fucking ego. Yeah. Um, and, and he's there kind of like... And he's trying to taunt Bruce. Now, in his mind, it, he's in no danger at all. He's having fun with Bruce. But but Cap's there going, that's fucking dangerous. We're in this, like... We're on this craft. If that thing gets out, the mm. Hulk, we're in trouble. You know, he's he's not going to trust Hulk either because he he would see it as a bastardization of the super soldier serum he was given. Um, he's already seen with the Red Skull what a bad version of the serum can do, and you've got Tony there, like uh, giving him electric shocks and things like yeah. that, taunting him. And it, and it, it, that's what it is. Cap is pissed off with him. I think Cap is what who actually gets Tony's back up, not the other way. Or put it this way, Tony is pissed. Uh, Cap is pissed off with Tony. And speaking out gets Tony to take against Cap. That's the way round it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's like personality clashes as well, isn't it? Because uh, I think what one of the things I, I did notice, and I think it's arcs back to uh, I think the the one who Tony is the one who has the, like the biggest character arc in, in the film, um, mm. and yeah. that's largely down to his interaction with Cap. Uh, it's not it's not as well established in it but it, it, it is there because when he has um when he does the whole um there's nothing um they're like the you know there's nothing special about you that's um that came out of bottle or and it's like sort of take that take that suit off what you got you know that kind of that kind of thing that does resonate with tony, with tony even though he doesn't like want to show it he goes straight on the defense but you can see in in um Dario jr's like expression that he's kind of like touched a nerve there um, and I think that's going... where team up films can't quite go. You know, we're saying it's hinted out there, and it's it's mm. sort of hinted out there, and that's not quite properly established. The film does everything it does it needs to do to tell us, 
but obviously those are the limitations of the team up yeah. films they have to get a lot of information across quite quickly yeah. they do it very well but it is a natural cap again no pun intended mm. on the fidelity of these films the the absolute quality of these films is just a little bit compromised by the fact that they've got to serve a lot of people and it's only going to get worse than this but uh, they've done a terrific job they have done but um yeah we could do with establishing their beef a lot better we really could mm. but we do get that they don't like each other and they're fundamentally characterized well enough that actually you would look at them and go yeah those two wouldn't like each other yeah don't forget as well he wasn't the biggest fan of howard stark his dad because he saw his he saw no, howard yeah. stark flirting with peggy true and peggy had to say you know um you know we, we're lucky to have him and all the rest of it and then he meets his son who's a, in his mind a bit of an asshole as well and he's like chip off the old block his father was a dick as well <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that explains the um mm. So it's all there, but there's only so much of it that they can make explicit. Mm. A lot of it's implicit from what we've seen in other films and what we can just see in the characters. Absolutely. So that actually sort of splits them, doesn't it? Because you've got um, uh, the Hulk has sort of jumped off the ship to sort of jump on that plane yeah. and ends up falling from it. Uh, Cap and Tony are, are still on the ship, but they've, they've just basically fixed it to stop it falling. <clears throat> Thor has been tripped into the sort of containment mm. um, cell by Loki and dropped out. Um, and that's oh, and, yeah, uh, Romanoff and Hawkeye have a fight, and he yes, gets knocked in the head, and that seems to bring him round because that's all you got to yeah. do. Major brain trauma sorts it out. <laughs> um, but, but that's okay. Oh, that that, that... Really hard on the head. That's okay. That's actually brought him into the film, and we're, Smack we're deep enough. It. Smack yourself out of it. <laughs> if, yeah, you'd had, if, if you'd had him as him at the start of the film, you probably would have had to put a lot more to the character work. Mm. But now we're at crisis stations. He's brought back. Black Widow um, knows him, so that's clearly she's like her sponsor to the audience. Mm. I, I sponsor him. You can watch this guy. We don't need to know much about him. He's with me, sort of thing. He's good at arrows. Yeah, and that's all we need to know, really. So he's now back and sort of saying, Selvik isn't at this stage, I don't mm. think. Um, no. So, yeah, so what have we one. got? We've got Loki still on the ship. Thor's been sort of ejected. The Hulk's been ejected. Coulson gets killed. And Coulson goes in to talk to um, Loki and ends that's up... Before, yeah, that's before he sends like, Hulk, uh, Thor on... That's before he sends Thor, but yeah. Hulk's be gone. I've got yeah. a not-so-fun fact about that at the end of the show. I bet it's fun, really. All your, all your <laughs> well, fun. you make them it's a bit fun. Grisly, but yeah. you, bring the, you bring the joy. IMDb brings the facts. Becca brings the fun. Yeah, that's right. Well, but actually, it's all from my own knowledge. So oh. like she takes base metals and turns them, turns them into gold, Chris. <laughs> so, um, what have we? Where do we go from there? That's um. The killing of the killing of Coulson, yeah. Loki yeah. goes in. I'm not, I'm not quite sure why Coulson goes in, but he goes in to talk to Loki for some reason, gives it some stuff about you won't win, and then Co Loki appears behind him and stabs right through him. Mm. Uh, that didn't. But uh, Christ, you're so wimp. You're such a wimp, Becca. <laughs> PG thirteen. Well, that's, that's why. That's why like, my fact is, is, you know, it's quite. Yeah. It's, it's quite a gory scene, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, they cut it out it's really. It's PG thirteen. Well, not, not, not in all versions of the film. Like some versions they kept it in. I've yeah, got Becca that uh, I think I think I think, I think both so of us have like different um opinions of what gory is. <laughs> we see a lot of blood, which is unusual for a Disney film. Um, that's not a lot also of blood. we haven't we haven't mentioned the Q word. 
Oh, yeah, insult, old... which caused so much consternation back in 2012 when yes, the film was he released. Calls, he calls, um, he call, I was amazed that got past our censors. I wasn't surprised it got past the MPAA because they wouldn't know what it meant. Well, it's but very old calls, fashioned, isn't it? Well, yeah, he, he calls Black Widow a mewling quim. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's going to slap us for 18 rating. Quim is a vagina, folks. That's a really, really old word, like yeah. Shakespearean. So, yeah. And everyone so was like, what does that word so he, mean? So you know? a, a mewling would be kind of whining, wouldn't it? He calls her a whining cunt. He's like weeping or something like that as well. I know. Sorry to use that language, but that's what he's called her. In modern parlance, he's called her a whining cunt. He's basically called her the C word. Yeah, mm. that's what he's called her, and it got past it got past both sets of senses, no problems at all. Because it's a very oldie worldy word, so. Yeah. So well mind, done. You, <laughs> mind you, some um, language does change, change over time. It's like the British insult, Burke. Mm. That that's the same word because it's rhyming slang. Berkshire hunt. Yeah, literally. I had no so, idea. But it, it is. It's, I, yeah, I, it's, it's rhyming slang, isn't it? It's so. rhyming slang. So if you call someone a Burke, you're calling them that. See, it's, it's just really, it's just, it's just really weird, isn't it? Like, well, you know, because the day I just when you think of like offensive words, you think yeah, but they're just words. Like Uh-oh. you know, <laughs> it's, it's all the way in view. Like, with, you know, with it's the... like. I, I, yeah, it's like you know. You say, well, I, I remember if, saying, saying if, I, this if, I, with my if dad I nudge once. Dave saying like, "Oh, come on, you pussy," that's, yeah. that does not have the same like uh, effect. If I just call, "Oh, come on, you cunt," <laughs> you know. It, it's well, I, I remember saying to my dad once, right? I said like, "If it offends people, I get it," and I've been blocked for using that word before on like social media and stuff. So I get it, and I tried to use it a bit less. But why not? I remember saying to my dad, just playing devil's advocate, why is the c word offensive? And he said. Because it's a woman's private part, and I said, "But you'd have no problem calling someone a dick." Mm. I don't. I don't really get it myself. Yeah, yeah. Well. all swear words are like basically uh, either feces, uh, yeah. uh, sex, or genitalia. They are. They are basically what swear words are. Yeah, I know. But anyway, so and yeah, it's weird um, how we how we like think. Oh so my god, offensive. the Avengers got away with using a, a variant on the c word effectively, and I'm not sure everyone who watched it knows that to, even to this day. Because they would have heard that and thought it was some some old Shakespearean thing or something, because Branner did yeah. the Thor film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, so Thor, uh, we, there's a point about Thor in a minute. But Thor is obviously ejected. Coulson is killed. You've got Cap left with uh, Black Stop. Widow and Iron Man, um, and I think Hawkeye is still there as mm. well. And they basically get shown the the bloodied um, Cap cards because yeah. he was kept collecting the. They're kind of like. Um, baseball cards aren't they really mm. yeah and um yeah and you know he sort of you know gives his speech and uh he gives i've, I've forgotten what the word was it stuck out on this viewing well like start does stand up and walk out when he he, he, he mentions like something so basically something to do like, like hero or something like that yeah and he's always just like oh, i can't listen to this or yeah. something about which i think was again it's part of his arc um but it gets for like, all his arrogance, he's not sure he belongs there. Yeah, or maybe sort of like over, I think that carries over into Iron Man three. I think there's a bit of Tony that's never quite sure he's up to it. Yeah, like it's almost just like uh, the, the higher is... calling. It's the higher calling. He can do all the stuff in the suit, but can he? Can he be a better man? Yeah, it, it it's it's almost as if it's like sort of the Macbeth thing of like washing the blood off your hands it's like it's never clean you know well I think also it's the fact that like that's probably half the reason he is um, ridiculing like Steve Rogers and mm. that because actually deep down he probably thinks Steve Rogers is a bit better than him 
Yeah. And and the best way to sort of level that in your mind is to sort of start downplaying how good the other person is and tearing them down a bit. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. What makes me laugh about all of this now is so they're they're sort of spurred into action by the death of Corson. But you've got uh Banner lands and obviously becomes Banner again and Harry Dean Stanton, the late Harry Dean Stanton now helps yeah, him. Very sad. But um Thor stands in that field looking at his hammer for hours. You ever <laughs> noticed? It's a very long time, isn't it? He's looking he... at it and then hours go by while they fly somewhere and when it cuts back to him he still stood there staring at it. It's just one of those things I noticed on first viewing. I was like, hang on a minute, Thor has been stood there staring at his hammer on the ground in a field for about five hours at least. <laughs> very <laughs> thoughtful. <laughs> very thoughtful, really thinking about that hammer. So we, we obviously, we must head for New York now. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we get the reveal that, like, uh, because Fury, they need, Fury they need planted the cards, like, he wasn't, of course, didn't have the cards on him. No, he didn't, it was in his locker. Yeah. Which, which from a, a storytelling perspective, I wonder why? Why can't it just be? Why, why do you have to add the add the thing that like Fury lied? What difference does that make? I think that I, I wonder if that's a bit of seeding because if you remember, Joss Whedon had an overseeing site oversight through the whole of Phase Two, and he even helped to rewrite certain things and advised on certain things and checked for tone and stuff like that. Um, Nick Fury is deeply distrusted by Cap in the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. you, you have to see that like he's not entirely ever quite dealing you a full deck he's never quite telling you the truth I think yeah, it might some be cards very close to his chest yeah he'll do what's necessary and it won't always be completely ethical um and then you you as a viewer have to make the decision on whether it, it the ends justify the means i think I think that's yeah. what it is anyway okay um, um, I might be wrong on that. It might just have been a bit of extra pissing about as a character quirk. I don't know, but that's that's how I see it. Because when we get to the Winter Soldier, there's there's a deep distrust through the whole film actually, because it's a seventies conspiracy thriller in the Marvel universe. Um, so what do we got then? They, they 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 have to work out that the only power source they could use would have to be a certain thing. They work out it's likely to be the Stark building. Yeah. So they head there. Which seems a bit convenient that they work it out that easily, but yes, it's the Stark building. Mm. It's it's a nice payoff though. Cause it's like you know, it's Diva. It's open. It's, it's open night. He wants to. He wants to be there with his name is shining. Oh, how out. did Loki? How did Loki get off the, the craft? I can't remember. Oh, he just he, he just got picked up by one of the 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 plane type things. Okay. By the right, by, by the other bad guy, you know, because he, he got attacked, he got attacked by. Uh, ship that Hawkeye was on, didn't they? So I think that ship just picked them up. Right, gotcha. Oh yeah, I remember that now. I remember that because I remember Hawkeye firing because mm. he, he causes the explosion. Of, yeah. yeah, okay, I've got it, yeah. Okay, I'd forgotten that. So they get the Tesseract and open a wormhole into space. Now normally I'd hate this, the blue beam up to the sky again. But did this <laughs> start the trope though? Um, I think I have a feeling we've saw it before this. I don't know. You it might may, be right. Maybe it was it, just in it, three it, or four. It may be because we've seen it so many times since that it just feels like. Might be. Um, I always thought. I always thought the whole Chitauri thing. Obviously, not very good at pronouncing that. Um, yeah, yeah, we can't manage to do it, can we? Calamari. It seems. It, it Calamari. Yeah. Very delicious, especially. That. It seemed a convenient villain. 
it just did. It's the one thing about this film that it is a bit by committee. But what's coming now is terrific. They open this uh, wormhole to another space, mm. basically. And when you think about some of the powers um, Thanos will later have, you can see, you know, some of those powers here that it's the, it's basically the space gem. Mm. Um, and so the Chitauri come through and start attacking. Yeah, and Cap's first on call. Not Cap, sorry. Uh, Stark is first on call. Stark's there. Uh, it lands on his building and mm. basically walks in. His his uh, his arm is fucked. Um, and he basically makes him a drink. Yeah. And we get we get the famous "We Have a Hulk" line, which has mm-hmm. obviously been reused ever since. That's the third. Yeah. Actually, previous my previous favorite line was the second best line in the film. Does mother know you worth thy drapes? Yeah. Uh, you worth her drapes even. And then we number three, Hulk, we have a Hulk is the best line in the film. Cool. All right. So um, there's a conversation here, and it's all it's all willy waving basically. But he's about to be he's about to be killed by. Oh, I came here to threaten you. Yeah. <laughs> you I love me. Stark gets knocked out of the building, and basically the armor forms around him, the Mark Seven. Yeah. Mm, that's really cool. That. I do like that scene a lot. I, I wish the armor had never gone much further than this because I don't like the way it is now. I, I I quite like the fact you can call it to him. I do like that. And no, obviously, that's really cool, but it's, you've, got to show, you've got to show um, improvement, haven't you, as well? Because like over the last few films, we've seen the fact that you know he's tirelessly trying to work it and, and improve yeah. it and make it better, and now we've kind of seen it. It's it's pretty smooth the way it is at the moment, the way you can kind of I call really it to him. Like, I don't really like the look of it. I'll talk about that when we get to Infinity War because I think they've gone a step too far. It's a bit Green Lantern-y in its skill set now. Yeah, but, it does look um, a bit too smooth, and it doesn't look right. It's all a bit too smooth, and it's not. Mm. Yeah, I don't really like it because the armor gets damaged and immediately repairs itself. I used to like it when he had the scratches of battle on him again i don't care what's in the comic books it's a different medium and i'm not convinced it particularly works in films of course in the next film he's experimenting with calling the bits to him and all the rest so of it he, like humanize him a little bit as well because he's very much like yeah. man in, inside yeah. inside machine as it were but yeah. here it's kind of I've got real, fusing I've got the two together with with iron man 3 and what it it tells us about his interaction with the armor and how important it is or isn't I liked it when it got this far. I like the fact that he can call it to him. I even like the Hulkbuster and all the rest of it later on. Mm. Um, I like this scene. I like the fact that he's basically out the window and the armor just about forms around him in time. And as much as you know it's going to, it's actually staged so perfectly that it's right at the last second. It's really good. Very cool. Uh, yeah, and then we get... But it's basically the, the Battle of New York. There isn't really much to talk about other than... The big action set piece, really. I mean, like we have. It's a very messy battle. I yeah. think I only really want to. I only really want to point to a few things. Um, I think we need to talk about the Hulk. Yes, that's a, are, that's another best scene in the film. Um, we need to talk about the Hulk. Firstly, they merged the sort of better bits of the previous Hulk films. In that, in the Ang Lee film, he could leap like three miles at a at a, mm. at a go. And whilst I think that's probably a bit much, the fact that the Hulk can leap big distances here is actually a good thing. I love the look of him because he, he looks like Mark Ruffalo hulked out. He does. Um, but also the I'm always angry line just explains the fact that like basically I've got this thing under control. He's got it on tap. Although I wish he changed slower just generally in life. I don't like the fact that he goes bang Hulk now. I always liked that fighting it and stuff. But anyway, that's... I think cool. also that's quite an interesting contrast to, to Ragnarok as well, where he's basically given the choice, you know, but he, he can't, he does lose that ability, he can't turn it off and turn it on again. Yeah. Um, as, as we see in Infinity War. And yeah. also in Ragnarok as well, where he's yeah. given the choice, one or the other, and obviously at the end of that film, he makes his choice. See, in Ragnarok, um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually not convinced he's as well animated, and it's probably because there's so much of him. 
There's a lot going on in with a that Thor film. film uh, well, I think it, it's all it's not quite as good. I think there was an improvement arc after this. Age of Ultron was a bit rushed, so there's a few shots in that I remember him not looking quite as good. Generally, the Hulk looks great, and but um, yeah, he, he's really great here, and they just use him perfectly. He just goes rampaging through buildings and stuff like that. It's really great. The one shot, I think the two things I want to refer to is Hulk and Thor fighting together and then him punching Thor at the end. Because uh, an animator, that was great. That was so funny. Uh, apparently an animator put that in as a joke and they liked it and kept and finished it and kept it. Yeah, um, it's, it's almost like, like you know, Hulk, he's, he's still in control of the Hulk, but Hulk is kind of like, yeah, about that fight. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, about he, that fight gonna, earlier. And there's just a momentary up. beat where he stands there, and again, Chris Hemsworth, effortlessly charming, bit of a smile on his face, and then just twatted. <laughs> I love that. No, I, I remember seeing only... that in the cinema, and that got like the. I mean, that and We Have the Hulk has got like the biggest single laugh of the whole Well, I think, I think no, the, the biggest laugh Smash Loki got the yeah. biggest laugh, I think. Oh, yeah, the the, other, the, 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 the that, that one as well. That, wanted, that was like was the two only, high points for, for my audience. There's only a couple of other things I wanted to mention. I think, firstly, um, when they said call it Cap, I was a bit surprised. I didn't think we'd established Cap as the leader at that stage. And again, but it does speak now to Tony quite not necessarily thinking he's good enough. But uh, I also wanted to mention the, the, the Loki smashdown because that got such a fucking big laugh. Yeah, my God puny god um and i also love that scene you start with i can't remember which way it is you start with let me get this right i think it might be cap hurling black widow up onto something she fl- does she fly past hawkeye firing something and then he's we firing move, arrows isn't he and then we move forward to the hulk and so on and basically we see all of them in one continuous camera shot yeah. doing stuff and then the pass and does something it's wonderful, and I actually wish I'd just watched that one scene before we recorded, so I could. It's amazing. It well, that tells you something today. By that point, they're all fragmented, and now they've come together as one cohesive team, and they're but gonna. I was worried about it being a disjointed mess, and that one shot is. No, Told you, it's actually... not a disjointed mess. It's actually all right. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I think worth mentioning about the Battle of New York is they once calculated the damage at 160 billion. If that was really, new, really New York. Oh God. That that's, the why damage, they have to, that's why they have to sign the accords in later yeah. films. $160 billion worth of damage done to New York in that. So, um, do we want to say... Was, one of the other, was it one of the um, Transformers films as well? They basically, like, Chicago is raised, and that kind of came to a similar figure. I think, oh, bloody hell, really? They haven't calculated the damage that those films have done to our IQs. Well, this is it, <laughs> precisely. Uh, that, that, that's Jesus. priceless. Yeah, can't put a price on stupidity, can you? So I guess the next thing is, obviously, uh, Fury superiors are basically saying we need to end this um, if, if, if we don't stop this invasion now. Yeah, yeah, so their they, answer is nuke it. <laughs> nuke, yeah, nuke, nuke it. Manhattan, which has got how many million people in it? So they, they fire the nuke. He, um, uh, Fury manages to stop one, but not the second. Um, and Stark intercepts it. And this is his, this is his arc, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, he's he like... accepts the missile, takes it through the wormhole. There is absolutely no guarantee he will get back. Mm. And uh, he takes out basically the Tatari base ship or whatever. Is, I, you but know, that I, I doesn't don't... make sense here. Is they're not robots? How come they're all dead the moment this thing? Convenience. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's like the droids I, I, in I'm episode no, one. I'm no um, I'm no comic book expert, so maybe like you know. Fans, you know, who know that you know the stuff about about them in the yeah. comics. Go, oh yeah, well that's a 
that's a, that's the thing with them. They take out the base and they all got switch off or, or whatever. Yeah, it is. it's like a hive mind know. or something. Could be a hive mind or something. Didn't make sense in the concept of the film. But having said that, I didn't notice it on first viewing. On first viewing, I was so caught up in it, I was like, "Thank God!" But then when I watched it again, I was like, "Hang on a minute, they're they're, they're flesh and blood of 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 a type." How how's that happened? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stark suit runs out of power and he's basically stuck. He manages to fall through the wormhole just as Romanoff closes it, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, yeah. And the Hulk catches him, and that's a wonderful moment when the Hulk mm. catches him. And this that's is what brilliant. I was saying. I this is what I was saying about the universe that it has managed to like up the stakes slowly, so you buy it. If if Stark had taken a hit like that in the first film, you'd have gone fucking hell. Because obviously mm. it's a bit it's a bit like Superman catching Lois. In reality, mm. it would have broken every <laughs> bone in his fucking body. But yeah. the, the the hits have been sort of exaggerated over time slowly that we buy all this. The Marvel Universe has just expanded so sensibly. Um, so they've won, basically. Thor's got, Thor's, Thor's got Loki. <laughs> Hulk, is, um, Hulk has saved Banner. Uh, sorry, Hulk has saved Banner. Hulk has saved Tony. Yells at him, and Tony wakes up talking about shawarma. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then they've all got one last bit of business, and you have the, they're all like, um, pointing their... Should we say weapons? <laughs> At Loki. Yeah, yeah, which is a bit. And if it's all the same, I'll which is a little bit. X, that reminds me of the end of X Two when they they're suddenly in the presidents. You know, when mm. when they're in the Oval Office and that they're suddenly all there at the same time. Mm. It's really cool. I really like that. Um, Thor Thor takes home Loki and the Tesseract, uh, and basically we get a bit of a speech from Fury about you know they'll come back if they're ever needed. Uh, and we also see the people of New York responding. They get a bit of a hero's welcome. I felt like we got like a bloodshot version of that with Thanos at the end yeah, of just Infinity a little bit. War. We get the the moment where they've won. A bit like the end of Ocean's Eleven, where they walk out and just look at the fountain and, and they're like, like won. We I get think the maybe mo- that's a reference to Ocean's Eleven, perhaps. I, don't, it, I got that vibe as well. Possible so. that moment of enjoying their moment of triumph. Yeah, moment in, in the sun, definitely. And you got and, the Stanley cameo as well. I was like, superheroes in New York, give me a break. And you've also got, um, but you've also got like Mark, uh, Mark Ruffalo, and sort of um, Robert Downey Jr. heading off together, like they're, they're speak a, new, science. a new bromance. Yeah, bromance to do science. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think the the whole thing with it because I think the set piece in New York is like is always been like an anchor event thing, isn't it? It's always like be done as like a nine eleven type thing. But I think we're, the difference with this in the in the universe that because of the Avengers, there was like an element of like. Of hope with it, so even mm. though it's like, even though it had like this, this really horrible thing happen, and it is a bit of a movie cliche as well yeah. about the resilience of New York. That's been mm. there since at least nine eleven. We oh, saw yeah. it. In, we saw it in a couple of the Spider Man films to varying qualities, uh, and there's a little bit of this 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 city never knows when it's beaten sort of thing. Yeah, it's a staple of, of superhero films as well, and also action films, and obviously especially since nine eleven for sure. Um, just goes to show that. It was especially because Obama had just been, well, he was voted into his second term. Um, Later, this year. When, they, when they were filming, he would have been just past. When they, I mean, when he was writing it, he would have been like mid-term in his first term. To be fair. Yeah, definitely. But he had to sort of get the elections around that sort of time in 2012. Well, I was just kind of looking at, look at looking at the events of that year. Definitely, yeah. um, a lot of political upheaval. Um, and again, high on his agenda was national sh- national security. Can't even speak now. National security, and of course that year as well, you had the the Sandy Hook shooting. Unfortunately, very sad. Um, so in, in terms of protecting like America and its turf, um, 
having this range of very American superheroes protecting your but it was, was, field was very important. And I think that's why it changes it changes the whole landscape in that you know detractors will say oh it's all light and jokes and all the rest of it and actually mm. it's not it's a balanced tone but it's a tone rooted in in oh, hope okay. and goodness mm. in a way that like the, the the nolan batman films arguably weren't i love the nolan batman films or i love two of them anyway and i have a fair amount of respect for the third but you know that film the dark knight rises was just a film ripped from its time you know, it was press. It was it was appropriate for two thousand and eight. It wasn't really appropriate this year. The Avengers was was what the public wanted. The Avengers was what the public wanted, and and my my boy, did they land it? And even like the po- even the credit sequence at the end with with that music and and all their sort of, you know, the 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 shield and and the glasses and and all the rest of it, just pitch perfect. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think this film did um, much wrong at all. To be no, honest. there's there's very few times where they did put a foot wrong. So yeah, I guess, I guess that's it really. I mean, the, the 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 frustrating thing is just 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 from a perspective. I mean, we're not going to do it as a commentary spoiler alert because I'll I'll announce the commentary in a minute. But it's not going to be the Avengers. It very rarely is the last film before a commentary because you don't want to do it two weeks in a row. So it was never likely to be the Avengers. But I probably would need a commentary to explain why act three is so good when you're actually sitting to, and trying to critique a film it's a load of action so what can we really say about it but those few beats were worth were worth commenting on and and i think the film left left us all feeling really good but mm. uh, how, how did we feel overall final thoughts folks yeah i mean it's basically what you have is like a 40 minute action scene and it's just a collection of just like joyous moments that you make that, that make you go oh yeah that 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 was really cool, or that was really fun, or or that was hilarious in some cases. So, and yeah, I, I just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a film that you spend most of the time just sort of like, just happy you're watching it. It just makes you feel like, oh, I, I never thought I'd get to see somewhere like this. And I'm really cla- I'm really happy that not only did it, it does it exist, that it's actually really good and really fun and entertaining. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's really much I can say other than that i think it's i think it does i think it 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 doesn't do it it's not doing it a disservice to say we'll probably have more to say about some of the later films yeah because there's more thematic work in it and stuff like that maybe certainly something like civil war but that's not doing this film down is it really that's just saying it's there to do something different because i i can't see you know i can't see that working with it when you have a a collective a set like an assemble film should we say um it needs to be along these lines. It needs to be a big party hoo-ha, you know. I mean, maybe a year later on with like films like Infinity War, you up the stakes and the other things involved. But then and you had... build on so many films as well. Exactly. So, for, especially with the first first um, team team build up team films, this is exactly what it needs to be. This was just very fun, very funny. Um, and yeah, just knew exactly where when to hit the the right beats at the right time. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much bang on. I think there is a there is a certain art to it which I cannot deny. So this is high end Marvel. I think it's probably still top end, top five, definitely. Yeah, just echo all the above really. Um, as we said at the beginning of the show, um, this has kind of brought all, all the you know the strands coming so throb, you know, brought it all together. Um, it's literally like peak Marvel for 2012, definitely. 
I think had it literally just changed not only the superhero landscape, also the cinematic landscape. Um, all the kind of, as I say, as Dave mentioned earlier on the show, there kind of there are some effects that kind of are looking a little bit ropey now, but very very minor. Um, all the kind of the weak points of the film you can count like on, on one hand. It's very action heavy, very funny, but I say that we do as as a as a character as an ensemble piece, it works really well. Uh, all credit to Joss Whedon and and, um, and Zach Penn as well. But yeah, I really enjoyed it, and without doubt certainly one of my film highlights of 2012 for me um I, I i echo what chris says about you know ranking its top five i'm not going to say much more than that at the moment i'd be surprised i mean we've got to rewatch them all and uh, like i say one of the things i can do fairly well is rewatch fresh so there's every chance that things that maybe in my skeleton ranking are below it might might come and beat it but i don't think so I don't think at the moment there's an awful lot of chance that it will drop out of the top five. Where it falls in the top five is is up for debate. I think there are more thematically rich um, uh, films in this series than this, but what there isn't is a film that is such a fucking celebration of what this medium is and what it can be. You know, and, and that's what we clearly wanted in 2012, and I think it's one of the reasons that, you know, the sort of Nolan t- take on a sort of Batman is, is is a little bit out of vogue now. It, it's not that it wasn't right for its time, and it's not that they weren't terrific films, but the world was ready for this. There was a lot on this. I don't think... I think we look at it now as an unparalleled success, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Phase one was a bit ropey. It was, but they signed off in style, and they, they haven't looked back. There have been a couple of films since that I don't love, but not that many. Most of them since have been really, really good, solid entertainment that I think I would be ranking fairly high. So um, highest of high praise for this. I haven't really got a lot more to say than that, to be honest. It's it's not the richest film in terms of trying to dissect, but it's a wonderful, wonderful celebration of and a wonderful um, avatar for the series of, as a whole, if you like. And what it doesn't have that some of the later films have is this horrible, overstuffed nature. So, pitch perfect, uh, wonderful piece of work. But, wonderful though it is, I don't know about you, Chris, but I'm feeling very under-informed. I, I think I need some facts to assemble. But, can facts be assembled in this way and still re- re- retain their fun edge? I don't know. Shall we find out? Let's. Here we go with some fun facts about the Avengers. Hey, that's fucking coincidence, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> Here we go, we're going to go Dubbix. Try to do my, my impression there of a dodgy narrator that nobody will know about. So yes, The Avengers ran in the UK for, for one series between 1961 and 1969, and series two, The New Avengers, from 1976 to 1977. The first two series weren't broadcast in America, mainly due to its violence, and was something that harmed its popularity across the pond. Fun fact number three, The New Avengers came Hang about on a minute. through the... Hang on a minute. Do we want to explain what we're fucking talking about? <laughs> no, okay, so unfortunately in the UK, over here, the film was called Avengers Assemble, much to Dave's chagrin, because of a TV series in the 60s and idiotic. 70s. Exactly, and yeah, it's annoying. Starring Patrick Mewney. Patrick Mewney, Patrick McNee, Diana Rigg, and later on... Um, Joanna Lumley and... And Honor Blackman, who's in Honor Blackman was in it first, yeah. Honor Blackman yeah, was in it. I've at... forgotten what her character was called. Kathy Gale, wasn't it? Um, on yeah, a black she was rep- she went off to do um, Goldfinger and was yeah. replaced by Diana Rigg as Emma Peel. Indeed, 
Yeah. So yeah, this is why I'm doing some fun facts about the Avengers. Anyway, the new Avengers came about through the popularity of um, the Tower King episodes in France, which led to a TV advert for Laurent Perrier, um, in which Linda Thorson and Patrick Manny were, you know, reprised their roles and the funding from that, from the second series. Um, a film version was an initial production, but obviously, before the ball got rolling, on the back then got the call from Eon to say, ah, Miss Galore. And so she had to leave the series. And perfect number five, I might have revealed this in our Majesty's episode, but I can't remember. Um, apparently Diana Rigg is one of the first British actors to practice Kung Fu on British TV, which I find mind-boggling, but very, very cool. Um, and she trained it by the series stuntman uh, Ray Austin. Basically, in the Austin Powers films, uh, Mrs. Kensington is, is, is basically... She's meant to be Diana Rigg, isn't she? Pretty because much. he used to refer to her as Mrs. Peel. She was married. Yeah, she was Emma Peel, and yeah. she did have M appeal, which is man appeal. M appeal, yeah, that, that, is, yeah, that is what the name is, yeah. Yeah, it's all about man appeal, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just some fun facts out of my own brain about Marvel's The Avengers. Um, I'm pretty sure, I remember seeing this film, obviously, now Marvel is famous for, obviously, the mid-credit scene, end credit scene, for example. I don't recall there being a, a one in the UK version. Obviously, we had the, the mid-credits. Yes, scene. there was. There was. Oh, no, sorry. No, I'm being really stupid there. Yeah, the reveal of Thanos. That was the mid-credits. Yeah, the reveal scene. of Thanos. That was it. But uh, I think the UK and the US scene. The, swa- the swarm uh, scene, yeah, scene was on our cut. Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't on the um, on the international version. It was on the American version only. But it's since it's been revealed to UK audiences it, on the home release version. It's because we got it first. I think they added it late. Yeah, we, we got we got it a month. We got it April, end of April. And they yeah, got it, they got it a week later. Was it something stupid like two weeks or something? It was something like that, but they didn't have time to get it onto our version. No. Yeah. Um, plus, because they added it really late. We don't know what Sean was really, or was. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, also, we don't. I don't think we sell it here. It might be in London and stuff, but I don't, yeah, I, don't I was going to say so it's certainly not in the. Um, yeah, I think you find not it in the cities, not, not but... in the provinces. No, not in the provinces. That's the phrase I was but looking for, Dave. It, it's it's basically kebab. <laughs> yeah, it's got kebab in your food. It's fine. Um, but yeah, very delicious. Apparently, I've had a veggie version. It's yummy. Um, and also another fun fact about the shawarma scene: you see Cap sitting there with his face with his face covered by his hand. Um, also, he was off filming. Um, oh, that film set on a train. Snowpiercer. That's the one which we haven't got over here still, um, bizarrely. But yeah, so he had obviously grown a beard for the role, um, and he had to he was fitted with like a prosthetic jaw, um, so he couldn't actually eat it properly. Wouldn't, it wouldn't stand up to scrutiny, so it's no. Like it's there so it's a bit of CGI, and he's got his hand covering it all, so it looks quite fun. Um, and they made well, some crack, you, no, 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 jokes. No, no serious team up superhero film's going to CG someone's facial hair, are they? Is it? <laughs> that would never happen. That would no. be mental. <laughs> oh dear, so funny. Um, so yeah, and apparently the idea to have the chariot attack um, was actually Joss Whedon's idea. Um, Kevin Feige was like, okay, so we're going to have a portal and aliens are going to come through, but it's up to you to do the rest. Um, so obviously being a huge Marvel fan, he thought, ah, the chariot are the ideal for this role. Um, and the whole thing was, was his doing, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, and that's not the facts from my brain. I have many more, but not enough time on this show, unfortunately. Cool. In which case, social media, folks. Uh, you can find me at Simitronics on Twitter. Uh, you can also find this podcast, as long as my other podcast, but also all the back data podcasts that maybe aren't on iTunes anymore, at simitronicsco.uk. Worth pointing out that it's worth looking on that site as well, because uh, myself and Chris have done two volumes of a summer review show this summer. Uh, so our summer reviews are now complete, and you can hear what we think of about 15 different films. Dave, where can we find you? You can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976 on Twitter. 
and you can find us on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. And you can follow us on Facebook under the same moniker. We're also on YouTube. So type in Do You Expect Us to Talk? Um, as Chris said, you can listen to us on his website, which is at cinematronics.co.uk. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, on the iTunes, please search for Do You Expect Us to Talk? And if you like us, give us a going five-star review. It helps us to rank higher in the rankings and attract more listeners. And if you too. hate us, give us a five-star review, but maybe frown while you're doing it. And mm. swear under your breath. I bloody hate this bastard. But I was <laughs> I wonder what would happen if you gave a five star like five star rating but but in the actual written review you said it was shit, I These hated it. Crap. <laughs> I wonder what that would do. Would that just confuse everyone? I'll do it grudgingly. Give us five stars but call us mewling quims. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um more hiddle bum, please. Um, also, if you want to drop us an email, you can drop us an email at expectusatalk at gmail.com. Not many people do these days, apart from Nigerian princes. Yeah, they do. I thought you were kidding. Then no, I they look, do. Then I had a look through our spam folder and it's yeah. non-stop, that stuff. It's literally like, hello, my name is Constance. It really is. They're not only Nigerian, but they are all people offering us cuts of money. <laughs> which is obviously like, spam. Which is basically spam from the early fucking 2000s. Yeah. In quality. Still going. Yeah. Hello, uh, I am Madam uh, Boobery. I have a lot of manners. <laughs> <laughs> I just need your credit card details. details. I know. Still write to us there if you want. We get the odd email, but most of you talk to us over over, over social media, so there's no yes. reason to. We will just announce, though, uh, uh, we have had our first commission, and we've actually received our money for it as well. Um, so in October, we will be doing our first Patreon commission, and it will be a full review of the Brandon Lee film, The Crow. But it will fall outside our normal schedule, so it won't hold anything else up. Yeah. Anyway, next, Dave, I believe it's your commentary choice. It is, which means I'll see us out, which means, do you expect us to talk, we'll return with a commentary on Captain America, the first Avenger.